Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2,282 with a release date of Friday, July 23rd, 2021 to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. Ham radio at the ready in flooded parts of Europe. Radio responds to Cuba's humanitarian crisis and the FCC okays an experimental station on 40 megahertz. All this and more is Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2,282 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline. Amateur Radio's independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. And now reporting from Valparaiso, Indiana, here's Paul Brown, WD9GCO. Our top story takes us to Europe, where nations in the western part of the continent have suffered disastrous flooding. As Newsline went to production, amateur radio operators were on alert and awaiting word on possible deployment. Ed Durant, DD5LP, tells us more. As record rainfall and some of the worst flooding in decades devastated an area in the west of Europe, amateur radio operators stood by to help. As the death toll rose and the search continued for those missing, Germany took the worst hit. Belgium, Luxembourg and the Netherlands suffered, with Belgium holding a national day of mourning on July 21st. In part of Belgium where water submerged an antenna vital for crisis communication, Hams stepped up to volunteer in three provinces, Meanwhile, as the European Civil Protection Mechanism was activated, the Dutch Amateur Radio Emergency Service, the Belgian Amateur Radio Emergency Service and the Emergency Communications Unit of the DARC awaited word as to whether additional communications help would be needed. Greg Mossop, G0DUB, Emergency Communications Coordinator in IARU Region 1, told Newsline in a recent email that Germany's deployment of soldiers to assist in relief efforts bolstered the Technische Hilfswerk, the nation's civil protection organisation, which had thousands of volunteers working to remedy the physical damage. Greg told Newsline that the situation continued to evolve as bursting rivers damaged power and telecommunications networks along with bridges. An update on the IARU Region 1 website said, quote, This emergency will last for some time as infrastructure is repaired and the threat from damaged dams and more rainfall is reduced. End quote. Meanwhile, in Germany's southeast, water flowing down from the Alps stirred mudslides and overflowing rivers, causing yet another disaster area. Casualties were reported to be less than those affected in the northwest. For Amateur Radio Newsline, Ahmed Durant, D. In India, amateurs are helping train additional volunteers to respond to their region's disasters. John Williams, VK4JJW, brings us up to date. A new educational partnership has been formed between civil defence officials in coastal West Bengal, India, and amateurs in the West Bengal Radio Club. Hoping to improve communications and emergency response following intense cyclones and other disasters in remote regions, officials have asked for training from the Indian Academy of Communication, the Ham Club's educational wing. Going online with the Google Meet platform, HAMS will train a total of more than 90 civil defence volunteers. Posipoti Mondal VU3ODQ will lead the instruction under the guidance of the Academy's secretary, Rinku Nagbizwas VU2JFB. Officials decided that HAM radio training is essential for civil defence volunteers after previous efforts by the West Bengal Club proved invaluable in earlier disasters. West Bengal Club Secretary Ambarish 
Nag Biswas, the U2 JFA, said eventually there'll be more than 90 students. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm John Williams, VK4JJW. The ongoing humanitarian crisis in Cuba is gaining a worldwide voice for the remainder of July through special event station W4C. Don Wilbanks, AE5DW, has that story. Radio operators from around the U.S. have been on the air as W4C since July 19th and will continue through to the end of the month calling QRZ and carrying word of the economic and medical challenges in Cuba. The special event, SOS Cuba, has been organized by Florida Ham Alexander Bayadarez, W7HU, who was formerly a citizen of Cuba. Alex's YouTube channel, W7HU Alex, will be live streaming as he operates Whiskey for Cuba. Hams have been reporting difficulty making contact on the air with amateurs in Cuba, indicating widespread jamming. This special event will carry a message of support for those struggling on the island. Alex writes on the station's QRZ page, quote, Instead of taking to the streets, we realize that our efforts will be more efficiently utilized by getting on the air and making a special event out of it, end quote. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Don Wellbanks, AE5DW. Meanwhile, the FCC has reportedly begun an investigation into the jamming of radio signals on a number of frequencies on the 40-meter band, based on complaints from amateurs who say they have been unable to communicate with radio operators in Cuba. Motherboard and other media outlets are reporting that FCC field agents are becoming involved, as is the U.S. State Department. The investigation is looking into a possible connection between the jamming and the Cuban government in Havana. A long-running battle over an amateur radio tower has ended with a positive outcome for one ham in the U.S. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, tells us why this Massachusetts ham is so happy. The on-again, off-again amateur radio tower project outside the Massachusetts home of Mikhail Filipov, KD1MF, is on again. A judge in the city of Framingham has ruled that the local zoning officials were wrong last year when they revoked the project's building permit. The zoning board said at the time the tower did not comply with zoning requirements and could not go forward. But on July 14th, the judge said the ham radio towers are among those structures exempt from such requirements, provided the project has a building permit. As Newsline reported more than a year and a half ago, Mikhail and his wife, Galena, had received the city permit for building the 80-foot structure despite neighbors' challenges that it would damage their property values and become an eyesore. Mikhail had already poured the tower's foundation, but agreed to halt the project until the zoning dispute could be resolved. That appears to have happened. Writing on the webpage of the ARRL's Eastern Massachusetts section, Mikhail's attorney, Fred Hopengarden, K1VR, declared, quote, Mr. Filipov is one very happy radio amateur, end quote. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kent Peterson, KC0DGY. Meanwhile, on the other side of the pond, an amateur in England is at odds with local officials over a retractable antenna mast, something he had installed six years ago. Wiltshire Council rejected the application of Tidworth amateur Bob Coleman, G0WYD, calling his plans for the structure in his back garden unneighbourly and incompatible with the area. Bob told the Andover Advertiser newspaper, quote, Due to various spinal surgeries, I am unable to play the sports I used to love. Radio communication is one of the few hobbies I can do, and it plays a large part in keeping me mentally healthy, especially over the last year. End quote. 
Neighbours had filed complaints about the mast as far back as 2019, leading the council planning officials to inform Bob that he needed permission. According to the newspaper, he applied, but the forms were reportedly not valid, and so he reapplied. The newspaper story noted that neighbours understand his love of amateur radio, but report that the antenna reaches from his property into theirs, and they worry about a storm knocking it over. Bob has the option to appeal against the decision. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. The FCC has given the go-ahead to an amateur in Georgia who is operating an experimental station on 40 megahertz. Kevin Trotman, N5PRE, brings us those details. For the next two years, anyone tuning to the frequency 40.662 MHz is likely to hear a two-minute weak signal propagation reporter transmission coming from an omnidirectional antenna in Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States. Experimental station WL2XUP went on the air in mid-July under an experimental license granted through July 1, 2023 by the FCC. Gregory Holcomb, NI4Y, who was assigned the new call sign, will be conducting tests on the band and his two-minute transmissions occur every 10 minutes. He is permitted a maximum output of 400 watts, effective radiated power. Details about the station were reported in the EI7GL blog, where the author John wrote, quote, The really big challenge now is trying to raise awareness amongst the amateur radio community in North America and making them aware of the 40 MHz band and the activity on it, end quote. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the W4EDP and N4LMC repeaters in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Fridays at 7.30 p.m. local time. The commercial TV industry has retired the last of its transmitters employing the original system used for black and white and early color TV. Jack Parker, W8ISH, gives us the details. Those of us who love our straight keys, our boat anchors, our tube radios, and other parts of early ham radio have it easy. We can still use the technology from which our roots have sprung. Television, however, recently hit a milestone in the United States where the industry retired the last few remaining commercial transmitters that used the system developed by the National Television Standards Committee. The NTSC system, which first defined black and white transmissions and later color, generated pictures comprising 525 lines displayed at nearly 30 frames per second. This produced the familiar analog TV broadcast that delivered programming to American audiences for more than 70 years. Now, in an age of digital and HD TV, NTSC screens have gone dark. The Hackaday blog, which reported the development in its July 14th post, wrote, Quote, we have to admit, being sorry to see the passing of analog TV, it was an intricate and fascinating system that provided a testbed for plenty of experimentation back in the day. Perhaps as we see it slip over the horizon, it's worth pondering whether its digital replacement will also become anachronism in an age of on-demand streaming TV. End quote. For Amateur Radio Newsline, this is Jack Parker, W8ISH, signing off. 
The ARRL's headquarters is back in business. Cell MB KB3TZD gives us the details on the ceremonial reopening of the doors. The doors are open again at Newington, Connecticut, home to the American Radio Relay League. The ARRL hosted a rededication ceremony there on July 15th to coincide with a return to business as usual as pandemic restrictions have eased. Members of the ARRL's board of directors were in town from around the country to attend board and committee meetings and were present at the ceremony. The league shut its building at the closure of the day on March 23, 2020, in response to the governor's executive order for businesses. It was just days after the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 to be a global pandemic. Many ARRL staffers worked remotely instead. Other services, such as the W1AW Bulletin and the code practice transmissions, continued. ARRL CEO David Minster, NA2AA, said he was pleased to see the league's services and staffing bounce back. He said, quote, This speaks to the resilience and dedication of our staff, board members, and volunteers. End quote. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Cell MB, KB3TZD. In the world of DX, the Willis Island D Expedition planned for November has been canceled. D Expedition leader Tommy Horizakis, VK2IR, said the activation cannot go forward following the spread of COVID 19 to four Australian states and a set of new rules from the Coral Island Management Authority banning the installation of any structures on the islands. The de-expedition would have coincided with 100 years of the weather observation station being on Willis Island. Bo, OZ1DJJ, will be active from Tasiak Island as OX3LX from July 28th through August 13th. Bo will be on HF, but his main bands will be 6 meters and 4 meters. Send QSLs via OZ0J. Look for Yuris, YL2GM, and Zedonis, YL2GN, to be on the air from the Estonian island of Hayuma during the RSGB IOTA contest. Be listening July 23rd through the 25th. QSL via their home call signs. Phil, M7CBK, is using the call sign ZC4CBK while operating at the Akotiri British Sovereign Base Area in Cyprus. Be listening to him through October. He'll be operating on FT4 and FT8 on 20 meters. According to his QRZ page, he will also be on 2 meters in the hopes of using the FM and D-Star repeaters in the Trudus Mountains. Send QSLs to EB7DX. Laurent, HB9HKE, is active from Iceland as TF slash HB9HKE through August 7th. Be listening on the HF bands, QSL via Logbook of the World, but also on QRZ and EQSL. For all of our amateur radio experiences, we've all had our high points. For our final story this week, we visit a high point that's at an elevation of 11,724 feet. Mike Askins, KE5CXP, takes us there. The Colorado site is called Sergeant's Mesa, and on July 17th, it became the scene of many firsts. It was the first time soda activation for 12 members of the San Luis Valley Amateur Radio Association, K0SLV, and the first time activation of the summit, which carries the code W0C-LG-027. Like the summit, the Hams' hopes were high as they started out under blue skies. Club President Bob Gailey, NO1PB, told Newsline that the location is a place that feels like hallowed ground, a fact that further elevated the purpose of their visit. A polished granite monument there called Soldier Stone honors the soldiers 
and civilians from Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, and elsewhere who fought alongside American GIs during the Vietnam War. Bob, a military veteran himself and now a pastor, made sure the activators shared a formal moment of respect and prayer before hiking a mile or so to the activation zone, where a total of eight operators got busy calling QRZ. According to the SOTA database, the activation ended successfully with 61 contacts. The activation was a high point capping a day of first for this club, which is less than two years old. It held added meaning, too, for hams such as Rick, KF0DCY, who had recently become licensed. Bob said a special QSL card will mark the occasion with a group picture taken in front of the monument, a shining symbol of valor tucked away quietly in a national forest high in the Rocky Mountains. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Mike Askins, KE5CXP. With thanks to the Andover Advertiser, Amateur News Weekly, the ARRL, the BBC, Bob Gailey, NO1PB, CQ Magazine, David Behar, K7DB, DXWorld.net, the EI7GL blog, the Framingham Source, Greg Mossop, G0DUB, Hackaday, IARU Region 1, QRZ.com, the Radio Society of Great Britain, Southgate Amateur Radio News, Summits on the Air, SOTA Atlas, shortwaveradio.de, Ted Randall's QSL Radio Show, WTWW Shortwave, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You can write to us at newsline at arnewsline.org. For more information or to support us, visit our official website at arnewsline.org. Be sure to follow some of these stories as they get a more in-depth look on the YouTube channel of 100 Watts and a Wire. Search for the video segment with the title, Two Stories. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO in Valparaiso, Indiana, saying 73. As always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2021. All rights reserved.